What's up, Granny Fannies? I'm Ryan Carroll, and you're listening to episode number 25 of Granny Shot, your not-so-serious all-things-NBA pod. We've got a great episode planned for you today, as we've got special guest Lucas O'Neill joining us to discuss all things Celtics. If you don't know Lucas, he's a Comedy Central featured comedian and writer, and most importantly, a huge Celtics fan. If you haven't checked out his stuff, I highly recommend it. That said, before I bring in the gang, let's start it as we always do with the Granny Quiz Question of the Week. The question, as always, is themed around today's topic, which is obviously the Celtics. The question is, Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, averaging a combined 50 points per game, are on pace to surpass what Celtics duo as the single-season highest-scoring Celtics duo in the post-Bird-McHale era? Perhaps a simpler way of asking that question is, in the post-Bird-McHale era, who is the current single-season highest-scoring Celtics duo? As always, we'll reveal the answers at the end of the episode. Yo, what's up, guys? Delco, Don, get to you in a second, but Lucas, welcome to the show. Great to be here. Thanks for having me. I'm a big Granny Shot fan. There's a handful of them, and we're happy to have you as, as one of them. I'm actually a big Lucas O'Neill fan. Uh, we That's true. Uh, Ryan and I, Carol and I, uh, used to play basketball weekly with Lucas, and you know, in, in the before times, the past that, times when we were when we were able to go outside and um, and inside, and yeah, and inside. Now you just can't go anywhere. But yeah, I had a good time playing basketball with Lucas. Went to some of his shows. If you haven't heard of him or seen his stand up yet, I highly recommend you check it out. It's it's hilarious, and hopefully, in the near future, we can uh, see you live in person. I don't know. That's uh wishful thinking but you know, yeah that's all, that's all we got now it's all i got so i hope to i hope to to see you all live and see yeah, me live if if you guys do check out lucas's stuff like on youtube lucas this this might be a little bit offensive but i feel like i'm a victim of this myself right lucas is actually quite a baller he probably doesn't look it when you're looking at him on youtube but he actually can hoop and I, I'm a victim of this myself, not trying to, you know, say I'm I'm a ball or anything, but I feel like we're we're victims of being underestimated on the floor quite often. Yeah, I actually and it it I overcompensate. I try to point it out as much as possible. Um I, I will believe me, I can play, <laughs> I swear. Yeah, people will be like, Oh, okay. I was like, I was actually all uh conference, two times all conference player of the year, and I was cut from my division three team. So not everyone <laughs> can say that. I'm, that's a I'm, lot more than most can say i'm the same exact way except when people underestimate me they're typically right so <laughs> right right <laughs> delco's got a hell of a mid game that's right oh yeah i mean delco, lost art. he can play don't get me wrong delco can play when but, bad, not when like is... me and ryan yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We're keep keeping it honest on granny shot uh Last time I played with Delco, about like 10 seconds in, or maybe the time before, like 10 seconds in, he like pulled a muscle in his back like an old man. And he was just like hobbling off the court. And we were just like, okay, are we going to keep playing? Or like literally first shot just pulls a muscle. And then my, too- my little brother, who's 17 years old, was also playing with this. And he he also pulled a muscle in his back in that same casual pickup game. So. <laughs> Delco is a real like, he's a real heat check guy. Oh, yeah. 
I mean, he can just get going. And then, uh, and, and then I'm mad at whoever's guarding him for not stepping up. It's like, he's sh- going to shoot a three. He's going to shoot a three. Just step up to the line. And I talk to, I talk to people I'm playing pickup basketball with the same way I yell at the TV screen when I'm watching the Celtics. It's the same thing. I'm just like, do you know? Yeah, Doncic is going to go to the left side and step back. God. How did, I can how see did that one Why feel? can't you? Yeah. It's so frustrating. Yeah. How did that one feel, Lucas? Brad did see it, by the way. If you watch the replay, Brad is like yelling at people to go over there and contest Doncic. And then it doesn't matter. Yeah, you, you know what's interesting about that shot it was that it looked identical to the shot that Luca hit in the bubble against yeah. uh, the Clippers, right? It was yeah. literally the exact same thing. He loves that elbow step back three. It was, it was. I feel like everyone that was watching was like, "Here comes the step back three. Yeah, and then he still, and then he made it. I mean, there was no part of me that thought that he was. You know, I mean, some people are like, "This is my spot," and you're like, "All right," <laughs> but they miss it. You know, it's like J.R. Smith. Every spot is his spot. You know. <laughs> But I, I, I just, he has this way of getting exactly where he wants and we know where he's going to go. And then he executes. He's a lead in that way. I, I don't get it. What I don't get is he's not a great three point shooter and you can watch him lay bricks all game and no one's too afraid of him. But then, you know, late in the game, especially, you know, with that step back in that spot, he can just drain them and it makes it look so easy. It's like, well, if this was a consistent part of his game, he would be the MVP every year, he'd be unguardable. Well, what was he shooting the last, I feel like the last two weeks. So for whatever, Doncic has been on like national TV a lot. I've been watching a lot of him. Also, people keep comparing him to Larry Bird. So I'm like, vicariously, I can be a fan um, <laughs> to honor, honor the legend. But um, he, I feel like he's been shooting the three better over the last few weeks. I think yeah. he's, he shot it horribly early. Yeah, the, um, the numbers are starting to level out there. He, yeah. He's still going to be a 30, 33% three-point shooter, but it was awful earlier in the season, and it's, it's been ticking up. Because he had no legs. I mean, I think, like, the one of the things sometimes we underestimate is just, like, the three-point shot is a le- is sort of a conditioning shot. I mean, if, if you don't have your legs with you, Kemba is struggling with that right now, right? He struggles for a number of reasons, but I think sort of getting back into shape and getting his legs, and Tatum, too. I mean, like, Tatum had a horrible game, but he's, like, trying to come back from COVID. It's really affecting his conditioning, and so his three's been down. Yeah, I mean, there's, like, a lot of reasons why... The Celtics are struggling right now. Kemba, Tatum's. Uh, we'll get into Tatum, right? But like, sure. Just generally, right? We want to talk about the the Celtics struggles, and I'm not even sure exactly where to start. But I won, Lucas. Yeah. We're <laughs> yeah. here to grill you. Great. This is not so, going to be fun. I'm 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 glad that you're on the show, Lucas, for many reasons. But but one because I have a reputation amongst a lot of the the granny fannies out there for being a big Celtics fan even though the Hornets are my number one team. So I'm glad that you're here because they're going to grill you and and typically they would have just grilled me. But I feel like there's going to be a lot of like self-deprecating talk here too. So I'm, I'm not sure that it's really going to hit home. So we'll see. Yeah, well, I just want to defend you for a second. It's like, okay, they're mad that you like a top of the line organization, you know, that, oh, that you value great work. And- Thank you. I mean, top to bottom from the TM to, you know, uh, the the people working in the stands. I mean, some of the most aggressive uh, <laughs> food vendors around who care not at all about you, but they will take your money. You know, I mean, that's and that's the Boston way. That's beautiful. So I don't know. I mean, I think I think you're right to to like <laughs> to like the Celtics. And I think they're just sad. So what do we got? OK, so let's talk. 
Yeah. Let's talk. All right. So Celtics struggles, right? So mm-hmm. they started eight and three. Yeah. I don't know how you were, what Celtics fans were thinking, but when they started eight and three, you're probably thinking, wow, wow, great. Gordon Hayward leaves and things are actually kind of fine. Kemba hasn't played much. It's a nice little start. But since then, eight and 14, six mm. and nine with Marcus Smart out. Mm. It's been a it's been a real struggle bus of late. Yes, you won the other night against the Pacers. I watched that entire game. Kemba had what you would hope would be a kind of a normal performance for the Celtics going mm-hmm. forward. Mm-hmm. But that was right after a three game losing streak. So I don't know if you think that that's more to come there or if the struggles are just going to keep keep happening. Okay, so let's start with this Pacers game, right? I think because Kemba Kemba is sort of the he's the key to some degree of a solution that we have already on the team would be if Kemba played at an elite level. He played really well against the Pacers. Why? Well, that's because Sabonis apparently hates playing in the pick and roll. He dropped consistently on the pick and roll. Kemba is a great pick and roll player. He dropped consistently, gave Kemba space, and so he was able to to come off the pick and roll and into his pull-up threes. And like, that's kind of his bag and it gives him space. The other weird thing about the the Pacers defense that we don't see against other elite NBA defenses is like Kemba was able to kind of get into the paint and have space. Like he could see, and that just isn't against elite defenses. He can't do that. We've experienced this like multiple times with the Celtics. Like we have an undersized guard who is really cool. Like Isaiah Thomas, maybe also a defensive liability. And they, in the playoffs, they can't, against elite long defenses, they struggle. And if you can't puncture the defense with a drive, we can't create any movement or spacing. Now, additionally, we don't pass the ball very well. No. I mean, we do not pass the ball very well. What are we like? We're like second to last in the league in hockey assists or something. That's the stat floating around. Yeah. And that's like, when you watch them, there's no flow. Like the, the who do we play before the Pacers? The, the game before the Pacers, we sucked. The Hawks. Yeah, we was it the Hawks? Mm. Yeah, hmm, maybe it was two games before. The Mavs before that was the, was the yeah. Okay, so the three. Mavs. So it was against the Mavs. Yeah, but we looked bad pretty much that whole game, and I was like, we're not going to win this game. Why did I keep watching? I know we're not going to win. There's no need for me to watch. And then in the last like man, a couple of minutes, we finally found some flow where we were passing to people. Kemba was being aggressive. And I was like, oh, great. It only took us 43 minutes. But that's rare. Like, I I don't even know what sparked it, but for everyone to pass. But elite teams, they have a playmaker who can penetrate the defense and pass and create for others. And we don't have that. We've got a score first undersized point guard. We've got two wings who are great, but are not passers. And our big men are limited in passing too. So it's like you have to have it somewhere. If we have a score first point guard, great. We need like a four who can pass. You know, that's why Horford was helpful. So those are, uh, listen, I don't want to take up too much of the airspace here, but those are some initial thoughts <laughs> just on our passing and Kemba. This this is your airspace today, Lucas. So Okay, thank you. <laughs> um, right. But at first I want to respond. You, you were talking about playoffs, like playoffs. You know, let's focus on making the playoffs first oh, before we worry about before no, we, we worry about playoffs. playoff issues. But um we're make the playoffs. I, I completely agree with, with what you're saying on passing. It's like the offense is whose turn is it in this possession? Yes. And you're just watching, okay, 
you know, Tatum, this is his turn. Everyone stand back. And if you get an offensive rebound, then maybe it'll be your turn next. But he's not looking to pass. He's playing ISO ball. He looks like mellow out there. And when he's on, it's awesome to watch because he's just hitting these ridiculously difficult, you know, step back threes over and over, filling up the box score. But when he's not, it just looks absolutely terrible because the defense knows where the ball is. The center of gravity is right there on Tatum and the ball's not moving out of there. And then when Kimba gets the ball, you know, he he feels maybe that like it's Tatum's turn. So I got to get the ball to Tatum. But when it's his turn, then he's doing the exact same thing. And I don't care how you know good they are. And I think they're all by themselves, elite all-star level talents. But when they're not playing as a team and they're just relying on that one person to make something happen, each possession, you're just not going to be able to win consistently. Yeah. And I think like, you know, as I've, I said to, to you all sort of ahead of the show, it's like, you know, Tatum, Tatum is sort of like a creative player in NBA 2K and he like learns new moves and then he like uses those moves, but he forgets about other ones in some ways. Like he, it's like, oh, cool. I've got this to the right step back. Well, that should probably be the one thing I do uh, when the game's on the line. Certainly. Why would I go to the basket? Why would I go to the basket when this game on the line? When I could take a step to the right, weird gather, but I guess it's legal three. And like when it goes in, it's cool. When it goes in, it's cool. Um, but it's not, it's not like reading and reacting the way that I think really great players do. And I think Brown is similar. It's like, you know, every game he plays is like an honors thesis paper and it's like, really, he's got like a clear objective and he executes really well. And you're like, wow, awesome. But that's only two of the five players on the court. And the thing is like, these are great players. They're great players and they follow, they're sort of like rule followers in my book. And like, that's why Marcus is so helpful because Marcus will do stuff that you're like, don't do that. Do not do that. But sometimes that's how you make winning plays is by yeah. taking some of the risks that he takes. The wild card. There, yeah, there's, the wild there's card. like, un, there's an unpredictability about Marcus Smart on top of his just pure heart and hustle that like, I think, I think everybody likes Marcus Smart because he'll, he'll throw his body in the way and he just kind of has that old school NBA kind of gritty bulldog approach. But um, yeah, that, that like, uh, unpredictability Delka, you mentioned like the the way that tatum and, and jalen brown and Kemba, it's like it's my turn and i think that's why in the fourth quarter the celtics have like really struggled is it's like okay tatum has the ball at the top of the key we know it's just he's gonna either shoot it or try to make a play and it's never like the hockey assist play it's always like a final pass kind of play and they, they, their assist numbers are okay they've got both like four or five assists a game between jalen and tatum yeah, which is they've fine improved. they've improved yeah. as playmakers yeah but but it's not like the hockey assists like moving the ball kind of play they don't like see the whole floor they only see like the next pass if it's like a, an assist towards the hoop if, if you if you feel what i'm saying there right it's it's just like they don't see the whole floor i don't i rarely see them kicking it out expecting the ball to swing to the next player who do we blame here? Do we blame Kimba and Tatum and Jalen for not seeing this and doing this? Or at what point is the onus on Brad Stevens to say, guys, we're, we have two all-stars this year. We have Kimba who is an all-star, you know, we need to rethink our game plan to make this work because what we're doing right now isn't working. And it doesn't seem like anything's really happening there with, with Brad. I mean, he's, he's a great defensive coach this year and I've always been a big Brad fan going back to his his Butler days with Gordon Hayward and and what he did with that team. But, you know, this year I'm starting to think, well, like, how good is is Brad? Are we just giving him credit because he's been working with this strong Celtics team 
I mean, I think it's he's made it really clear this year that he's not even in the same conversation um, with people like Pop or even Eric Spolstra, right? I think he's he's kind of at least one or two tiers below them. As a Celtics fan, what okay, do you think enough. about what do you think about Brad? No, that's enough. Okay, first of all, just get some soap, wash out your mouth. You can't speak you can't speak ill of Brad like that. Right. That I've, is, I've had that happen as a kid. My dad did that because I was I had a potty mouth and I ended up just blowing bubbles with the soap. So I will not learn a lesson if, if okay. That's All right. Well, that's fine. That's weird. <laughs> I'm just saying. Yeah, that. you're right. No, that's that's. I don't know what I was like. That's fine. More like I can't dive into that. I can't. This isn't what this podcast is about. Uh, but you should talk to someone. That was weird. Um, the the Brad. Listen, Brad is doing a good job, and I think. Spolstra, I mean, Spolstra is an elite coach. He's great. He's won championships. He's like very, very good. I think we saw last year just how good Spolstra is. I think Brad is also, I do still think Brad is like in that level. I think that we've had some injuries and I think that's real. I think that losing, man, I didn't really like Gordon Hayward um, and I was happy to see him go, but we did not replace the passing, right? Like Gordon... Gordon is someone who's like, I'll swing the ball. Yeah. I'll drive. Even even though he was never 100% really, except for like a couple of weeks stretches, you know, and then he'd get hurt again. But he would drive. He would he would get into the teeth of the defense and he would it would pass the ball around. And we missed that. And uh, we didn't, yeah, we just didn't replace it. So Brad is doing well. I think we have the the hardest parts to get. I think Kevin Pelton sort of put this best. He's like, you know, they, we have two pieces that are the hardest thing to get, which are like elite three and D wings, right? We've got Jalen and Jason. And those are the two things you want to build around in this league. Uh, we just haven't quite built around it right now. If Kemba is two years ago, Kemba, I, I don't think we're having this conversation because like he's a little chaos. He's the focal. He can be the focal point in the fourth quarter to close things out. Um, to make plays and and he did that last like against Indiana he did it and you're like that makes sense but he can't do it against greater size and he can't draw fouls like the best players in the NBA can get into the paint and draw fouls and he can't do that like which is which is actually unusual because in his Charlotte days he got to the line quite a bit well that's exactly yeah so I was looking it up like the percentage of, uh, like free throw foul percentage uh, according to cleaningtheglass.com is uh like a, like LeBron is LeBron is insane. He's at like eighteen percent of the fouls that he draws are shooting fouls or something like that. All across his career, it's like 18, 16, 18, 16. It's like fourteen this year. That's like really elite. Harden is up there at that level. Durant and in Kemba's like peak days, it's like eleven percent of the fouls he drew were shooting fouls. And like right now, it's like seven percent. And I, and it just spe- it speaks to like what I see, which is like he's not getting foul calls. He's really just getting blocked at the rim or he's missing contested layups. A lot of that is respect from the referees. Like, I truly believe that two years ago in Charlotte, he was an all-star starter, and he was, like, the guy on the team. And I really do think that refs see that kind of from, like, a respect mechanism. He's driving to the hoop. He's throwing his head back as if he got fouled harder than he probably is, and he's getting that call more so than he is now in the Celtics when he's kind of, you know, third fiddle to Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown who also get those kind of calls. That's a little, you know, conspiracy-ish or just bias-ish, but I I do think that that's a factor too. Yeah, and he's a small guard. And I think there's some level of just like, listen, you're small, so you're probably going to get hit a little. 
I don't think Trey Young got that memo. Trey Young's been getting to the line at a ridiculous rate, and he's smaller than Kimba, right? Maybe not height wise, but it looks like you could breathe heavy on him, and he would just go flying into the stands. Yeah, but you know what's different about Trey Young um, than Kemba is that Trey Young's like 24. Like I just, I, I think it's age. I think the problem with Kemba is that he's, th- you know, almost 32. Kemba's I, not. Kemba's not good anymore. <laughs> I, it's just like people don't want to face that reality. But he's not good anymore. He's not an elite level point guard, and people are just scared to make that assertion. But that's the truth. Yeah, Don's right. I mean, like he's not. When you see these small point guards, when they fall off, unless they're like Chris Paul, right, who is insane, who is insane, you just, you hit a wall physically. And and, and these like super fast, like athletic point guards, like once that kind of goes, it's, you never get to that elite level again. I'm not willing to say that he's over. I mean, I don't think he's ever going to be elite, right? But I, I still think he's got more left in the tank. I think he showed that against Indiana, right? You don't he's, need that from him every his- night. What's his ceiling, though, right? I mean, like, I, th- I think if he gives the Celtics 19 to 21 points a game, then that's all you need. I mean, and why, like, why can't the Pacers game be ceiling? That's a hell of a game, right? 30 plus points. The Pacers aren't good. The Pacers are bad at basketball. I definitely don't agree with that. They're they're in the top half of the East and they compete with almost everyone they play. And I know you you were saying talking shit about Sabonis, but I think he's having a hell of a year and. Honestly, I think the point you brought up about going under on pick and rolls is probably due to Kimba's struggle from shooting. And they probably thought, let's just keep letting him shoot because he's been he's been shooting terribly lately. And maybe that wasn't such a good idea. But, you know, I I don't think that the Pacers are a team that you write off a good performance because they're not good at basketball. Okay, I I get that. But but truly, like watching the game, you're just like, this is the, the, the Pacers are not playing well. They're not playing well. I, uh, who is Aaron Holiday? They have two Holidays on that team. Uh, and they both were taking him, apparently, defensively on Kemba. Because truly, like, the Sabonis thing, I, he's a great player. Love watching Sabonis. But the way he was playing Kemba on the pick and rolls, he's dropping. And a lot of bigs do that. But, like, Gobert can drop when he's on a pick and roll. And he can kind of cover. I mean, he just does a better job as the big man in a pick and roll playing that cat and mouse game and Sabonis just kind of dropped and that was that. And so, so listen, I'm not no knock on Sabonis, but like the way that he was playing on the pick and roll allowed Kemba to have a good game. Plus he wasn't really getting, he wasn't really having to work on the defensive end either, you know? And, and I think that that takes a toll on Kemba. So maybe that's what Kemba's peak is then is, is taking off against mismatches with defensive teams who don't match up well with him and, and kind of stepping up, into those roles and big nights. But I will, I, I agree with you guys in the point that when he's not taking that role of, you know, the, the big scorer, I'm not really sure what he's doing out there, what he's adding. He seems to be taking up space if he's not the primary scorer. I think it's easy to talk about Kemba when we talked about the Hornets, because there's no expectation. He's clearly going to be the best, but when we're talking about like a championship driven franchise, like the Celtics who have uh, Tatum and they have like Brown and they have these amazing forwards is it's just like you need someone better and i think the thing we're not talking about is the celtics just aren't good enough to win a championship like they just don't have like and from a death perspective they're not good enough and like they terrible need, bench terrible terrible, terrible. Bench. and i think that's like when we talk about brad stevens it just circulates where it's like I, brad stevens isn't the problem you guys just aren't good enough to win the games and with marcus smart out you're you're bottom fishing for playoff wins like in yeah. my opinion you know 
Well, let's let's like we we basically just dug into why the Celtics are struggling. Let's how can they fix it? And one of the things you brought up is the injuries. One thing I will also call out is that Marcus Smart, Kemba, Tatum, and Jalen Brown have only played twenty eight minutes together this season. Right. So that's a possibly critical factor. And maybe you're like, this is overblown. We're actually not struggling that much. As soon as Marcus Smart comes back, we'll get back to that eight and three form how we started the season. But you're probably somewhere in between that. So how do you fix the problems? Do you make a trade deadline deal? Are you picking up a free agent? Yeah, I mean, truthfully, in Danny, I trust. I still feel that Danny Ainge is one of the best GMs in the league. And I think that he's always looking for for deals. And and I, I think that we are going to bring somebody in. That said, I don't really know what's available. I mean, I, I think that we still have a real issue at the four or five spot. Like Daniel Tice, gah, I mean, I love him. German Defensive Player of the Year. Um, <laughs> but he is a foul machine and he is a limited offensive facilitator. So, and I think that we need that. I think we need someone who can pass at the four or the five. So I don't really know who's available. I don't wish that we had Miles Turner. I feel good we don't have Miles Turner. Interesting. Uh, Yeah, but I don't know who's... we. The reason I think we're going to make the playoffs is like our best four haven't played together much. So, you know, that's going to help the ship. Uh, Brad has a history of making the most out of players. So I think really we should... We should just be like, oh, I guess our players are bad, right? Like, I guess Grant Williams, like, isn't good yet. And uh, Robert Williams III, incredible hair. The Time Lord has incredible hair. And he is growing up. And I think he's going to be good someday, but he's not too. there yet. I think I, I, I think he could be there as soon as, you know, the playoffs this year, if you do make the playoffs. He looks like he's he's accelerating quite a bit this year. I like what I've seen, the development I've seen in a short that's amount a of time. That's a reach. That's a reach. I think that's a reach. Yeah, no, he's, I mean, that he's, is... He's going to be good someday, but but the, the Celtics' problem with the four or five positions, you've actually got three guys that are all just like, okay. Tice, yeah. Tristan Thompson, and the Time Lord, they're all like that borderline, should they be starting or would they be a really good backup kind of guy? Yeah. You've got like three of those guys there. And you, I really feel like an upgrade there is totally and we've necessary. Got, yeah, we've also got, don't forget, listen, I know this is in the 4-5 spot, but we've also got Jeff Teague. And I think if your team has Jeff Teague, you're not winning. I, I He's the most boring player I've ever watched. And he's just such a generic, <laughs> he's just so generic. He's I love not the good Jeff enough TK. point guard. He's, I, he's I love like, the Jeff TK because I've, I've hated, I don't hate Jeff Teague, but I've, Never understood the love for Jeff Teague, even back to when he made the All Star game in like 2016. It was just this yeah. dude. There's no way in hell is this dude one of the best three point guards in the conference. I don't care that the Hawks are playing really well. It, it's just not true. Going it, going back to the 2K comparison that you used, he's like when you start with the player with no redeeming qualities yeah. or badges yeah. or anything. He's just like a basketball player who exists. That's yes. You get the Jeff Teague template and you build from there. Yeah, I mean he's the best like generic brand basketball player. <laughs> out there you know but can we go back to the miles turner thing so you said you don't want him on the team and no. what 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 it would have been is you would have gotten rid of gordon and instead of a trade exemption which you now have and don't really he's, have any plans he, you would yeah <laughs> you would have had miles turner who's having a potential defensive player of the year season and so are you saying you would rather have that trade exemption and figure it out or are you yeah okay that's that seems like some celtics homerism there 
I, well, is it homerism or is it just trying to like play the odds? I mean, we, we just have a history of like making pretty good decisions and being in contention. And I think like Danny hasn't given out too many bad contracts. And I think that that's a good thing. I think that's been a, a, a positive of his tenure. And I think that Miles is not a good contract. I, I don't think it's going to be, you know, and I, I, I'm fine. I'm fine with the team we have. I like who we have. We just need more talent. I think that I'm fine says it all. I was like, I'm fine. Don't, don't worry about me. I'm, I'm totally fine. <laughs> that's right, what so I just don't want so to cheer for a more, big guy like, who I don't think can dominate. Or... Yeah. I mean, we definitely need more depth. We need more talent. And we need more talent to 4-5, but I just... But Miles yeah. Turner is not your guy. He's not my guy. He's no. not my guy. So his, who is the guy? I mean, Boogie is a free agent now. I think that would be the worst thing you could possibly do. But so, you so know, bonus would be great for the Celtics. Yeah, but oh, you, yeah. How, how are you going to get him? Okay, great. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> uh, Danny Ainge so, like 3,000. If we're living in fantasy <laughs> land, I think AD would be great on the Celtics yeah, too. Yeah, well, and that's what we had all planned. I mean, yeah. we thought we were we were all trying to get Anthony Davis, and what, we, then we didn't. What about Wait. LeBron James? He would be a great fit on the Celtics. No. Have you thought no, about him? I don't want him. I don't the Celtics want him. hate LeBron. Man. <laughs> so no, we don't need him. What we people him. what people don't know is that trade exemption does come with one free wish. So Don has a point. You can just wish Sabonis onto that team. I forgot about that. Yeah, the new <laughs> the new collective bargaining agreement has been really advantageous to the wish commu- wish granting community. Huge boom for their business. I don't know. I mean, like, really, who is available? I've heard rumors about Oladipo, but I don't. I think that just adds to the you know taking turns problem because. He's not going to help your facilitation problem at all. Not winning a championship with that lineup. No. You would have to, what, give up Marcus Smart in that? Or, or Kemba? I'm sure, I'm sure they'd be thrilled to give Kemba up in that situation. With the like, You mentioned Danny Ainge hasn't given up a bad contract in a while. I think that Kemba contract is going to look pretty bad here and probably the end of the season. But The problem, and I get I mean, yeah, it probably will. But I, again, it's like, these are all kind of gambles. You just kind of take a gamble and you go, okay, we have a window, a championship window with these two elite players who their contracts, right, are coming up and they're going to be really expensive and the team suddenly get Marcus Smart we're paying and suddenly we're going to we're going to be in a tough spot. So we you you get into this win now place and it's like Kemba was a good bet that if you got one more elite year out of him, or maybe we would have been in the finals at least, you know. And I I think it was a fine gamble. In two years, maybe it'll seem no. But, like, it's the same reason why we took the gamble on Kyrie. I mean, he's a he's a mercurial player, but, like, what if that if that works out? Amazing. Like, if, you, if, we, if we're able to get Anthony Davis because we have Kyrie, like, th- these are the gambles they have to take, and I, I don't know. So, if, if you can do Gizzy's backsies, would you take Rogier back for Kimba? No. I hate him. Really? I hate it. He is hooping this year. He's I mean, his, really yeah, well. his catch great. and shoot percentages awesome. are, like unbelievable right now tremendous i'm i'm glad that he took some of the things he learned in boston and didn't use it here at all it's i think great that i he, think we taught him everything in charlotte that he's good. oh right 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 we're known yeah. we're known for our player development lucas so. that's yeah that's jordan's claim to fame <laughs> it was like i take talent and i make the most of it um no rogier i think rogier is just an example of a player that like needed to be in a different spot and he just needed he needed to be in a different space there was a fixed idea about what Terry could be for that team and Terry didn't like it he wanted to be more and so he got to go to a new place where he got to have like a bigger role and so he's playing better I've never doubted Terry's 
talent. I've actually, I remember watching him at the Red Claws uh, when he was playing on the G League team. And I was like back home watching. And I mean, tremendous player, great athlete, but like it wasn't going to work with the C's. Like we weren't going to make him the lead ball you know handler yeah it just wasn't and, and he's happen. really not the lead ball handler for those hornets this year he, right. he he's you know we kind of have like multiple ball handlers and i think that helps him and right? he i don't think he should be the primary ball handler secondary no, no. playmaker secondary scorer kind of guy i think there's also something to like a pl- young players they have they come into the league they think they're going to be hall of famers and Sometimes like going to a second team and you can like blame your first team. You can be like, well, I'd be doing more if they would allow me to do blank blank. And then when you go to a second environment and you start to like see like, oh, no, I guess I'm like really just a great off the ball, you know, off the ball scoring option, third scoring option. Like you learn, you 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 become wiser about your role in the league. And so I feel like that's true for Terry too. part of his success right now. So if you could have one player on the Celtics to win a championship right now who would it be like if realistically if you guys could go get one player that you're thinking about or do you think there's more than that are you like do you think you're one player away from a championship with the current teams in the nba or i think it's much more than that or do you try to just take that trade exception money and add a couple players to your bench yeah i think it's that one because i don't know if we are one player away yeah i think that's like the that's like the the ultimate question Yeah. yeah I, I think that the bench is the biggest problem, personally. I, I think if you were if you had a scorer that can come off and come off the bench and take a little bit of the weight off of some of the other players' shoulders, like when Tatum's out there by himself and when Jalen's out there by himself, it just looks worse and worse. So I think the bench would be great. I think that Danny Ainge has swung and missed on a lot of draft picks in the last two to three years post-Tatum era. I am a huge Sadiq Bay fan and I thought he would have fit perfectly on the Celtics coming off of the bench. And I thought that oh, the, yeah. the Naismith pick was terrible. I didn't mm-hmm. think it made any sense. And I think he probably could have gotten Naismith like much further down in the draft as well. Yeah. I mean, Danny is uh, okay. I got to give Danny credit, right. On, on several, he, so when he picks high in the draft, he tends to do pretty well. He hits right? it. Yeah, yeah. He hits it. Tatum Brown, smart, like mm-hmm. the, these, not that many people were like, Marcus Smart should be the sixth pick. It's like, no, but Danny saw it. I will say, though, that he's also drafted Fab Mello. And RIP. RIP. Uh, yeah. And I hate to speak ill of the dead, but he averaged like two rebounds a game in the Big East. And I do think that that should be brought up, you know? Uh, also, in that draft, because I went back and I wanted to look at it, I was like, listen, did he have a lot of other options besides Fab Mello? And I will just tell you who went after Fab Mello. Jay Crowder, Draymond Green, (laughs) Chris Middleton, Will Barton. There are others, but those are honestly like, that's a lot. That's That's a a lot of people. Strong back half or early second round or whatever. Yeah. Damn. Hey, Fab Mello played six whole games in the NBA. I think a total of 18 minutes. Fab Mello is a tragic (laughs) story. And I do feel, but one of his two tragic, tragic stories, his life and then his rebounding. Um, both of those things are <laughs> tragic in my mind. If there are a lot of like Fab Mello fan listeners or his family, like we can cut that. But otherwise, I'd like keep it in. I, I, feel, um, I feel pretty confident that Fab Mello's family is not tuning no, in to Granny me. Shot from Brazil. We gave yeah, him an Dan RIP. Has, We're good. Yeah, we gave him an RIP. And uh, he... <laughs> Thoughts and prayers. Thoughts and prayers. Thoughts, yeah, thoughts and prayers. <laughs> Danny has missed on a, on a couple of drafts. So uh, there's no doubt. 
yeah, and this draft was particularly frustrating because um, there are some people playing right now who are, could contribute to this team. So yeah, we need a better we need better bench. We need scoring. I mean, Tatum out there with just the backup unit. I, I don't know how we score. I mean, that, that's credit to Tatum that he that he makes that unit score at all. Um, you, you definitely need more, but I, I think some tweaks would go a long way. What, what do you think about this? It's going to sound, just thinking about myself saying it, I can see I'm about to get trashed, but you start Peyton Pritchard and you bring Kimba off the bench and let Kimba reassume that role of, I am the guy, I am the center of gravity, I'm responsible for all the scoring and carry that second unit and then let Peyton Pritchard be the guy who's like, all right, I'm moving the ball, I'm spreading it around, taking that that role that I've seen you know, become fairly important with some NBA teams where it's like, my job is to make sure the ball is spread across the court, confusing the defense, creating space. And then you have two all-star wings to, to play around him. That's fine in theory, but like, you're still going to have the same fourth quarter issues because Kemba's going to be on the floor in the fourth quarter with those guys. Yeah, and also, like, I got to be clear. I love Kemba. Like, He's a great guy. How could you is, not love that guy? There is He is so fun to cheer for, and you root for him so hard. And as much as, like, Pritchard has been a nice surprise for us this year, he's not a starting point guard. Uh, he's just not. Beggars and, can't be choosers, though, you know? Well, but it's like... It, you know, as as challenging as this season has been for Kemba, like, and as much as I think his peak is, it, he is on the downside of his career, he's still, like, really good. And he's still better than Pritchard. And he can still draw more defensive attention than Pritchard. So, now, uh, Pritchard's a good defensive player, and I'm excited to see how he can evolve in that way, too. But, like, him and him and Smart as a, as a fun backcourt, was that, that was exciting to see these sort of two guards like dog people but uh you know we'll see we'll see how brad like changes with the lineups when marcus comes back because when marcus comes back that makes a huge difference on our on our bench unit honestly because you got another facilitator out there leading that squad of underperformers when when all's said and done i'm I'm really not too worried about the celtics either i think they're gonna be all right i think oh mr oh mr they're not gonna make the playoffs oh look at that 40 minutes later you're like i'm not worried (laughs) unbelievable but teams like Boston, they can't really afford to just go season after season being fine. I mean, like at the end of the day, they're going to be fine. Sure, they'll make the playoffs. But if you're not winning a championship, you're not doing anything, in my opinion. As a team like Boston with that notoriety, the Lakers go through that. The Knicks just said, fuck it. Like, we're never going to win again. But with the with the Celtics, you need to make moves. Like, uh, there's no complacency in an organization like that. And, and I think that to that point, I think you can make an argument that with all the draft picks that Danny Ainge accumulated and what seemed like the leverage he had to make deals, I, I think the, for the most part, those picks are gone if they're not entirely mm-hmm. gone. Yeah, I think you can make the argument that he kind of failed there. <laughs> I, yeah. I, that might that might sting a little bit. I know Danny Ainge is like, you know, the savior, but like recently it seems like he might have fucked up a little bit and like you know sometimes in in these like rumored deals uh, we always talk about this but i make fun of danny age all the time because of this it seems like they're like oh you know the celtics got offered this it's like a rumored deal and then all of a sudden you'll hear danny age be like oh well i offered them 11 picks and they said no which it sounds like he's just trying to save face kind of thing but that happened with justice winslow it happened with miles turner now Anytime a rumor comes out that a deal didn't go through, that sounds like maybe they should have taken it. It's like, oh, I offered them everything and they said no. 
Well, I would say, first of all, I bet you Danny, with Justice Winslow, I think that has been like confirmed. Like, Justice Winslow, Danny really did offer like three picks. I refuse to ever believe that. I don't care unless like someone actually shows me the paper document that that actually came through. I refuse to ever believe that. Mostly mostly because it would break me if that was true because we drafted Frank Kaminsky with with that pick. First of all, I think you the I watched Charlotte drag, draft Frank Kaminsky, and I was like, oh, a classic Charlotte player. Um, <laughs> yeah, he's gonna fit in perfectly. Oh, there. It's like, it, like it, I wish you were a Plumley brother. I mean, it's <laughs> yeah. just like, ah, oh, God, the lost Plumley brother. That's the dream is to have all the Plumleys and the Zellers on the same team. No, yeah, no guards, no guards. I'm I I'm not I'm convinced they're the same family. I'm convinced that the Zellers <laughs> and the Plumleys they're one family, and they just sort of they're like. I'd be weird if six were in the NBA. Let's change it. But I, you know, Danny, I feel like Danny has benefited from some of the trades that have not gone through. Um, And I think a lot of like, I I think this is true for GMs. Like sometimes they make like offers and they don't work out. And maybe that's a good thing. Not getting Justice Winslow, that's a good thing for Danny if he made that offer. And so it feels possible to me because he's also made bad draft picks. I mean, like you make a ton of choices as a GM. I think you're right in the last, I don't know what else he could have done. I don't know what else was on the table, right? We're not in those rooms, but yeah, we had a lot of ammo with draft picks and what did we end up with? I think it's a fair question. I think it's a fair question. It's just something to think about. (laughs) Yeah, Peyton Pritchard. (gasps) I Future college basketball coach Peyton Peyton Pritchard. That that's um uh, that sounds so accurate. He he's got mm-hmm. a life long career as a backup point guard, very similar to like what Luke Ridenauer did, another Oregon guy. Oh wow! And he'll yeah. probably end up going to coach high school and then end up being some sort of college coach somewhere. It's like we've already got his life scripted out. Everyone sees it. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Uh, yeah, I mean, there's not, there's no argument there. Uh, all excited right, for him. so we've dug into pretty much every possible reason why the Celtics are struggling. We it doesn't sound like we have any sort of solution how to fix it. I have so no solution. We have no have solutions except let's bolster the bench. The, wi- the wish we keep forgetting the wish. Oh yeah, yeah, our our wishes. But I, I do want to ask what your opinion, Lucas, is, and then Don and Delco yours too, because this debate seems to come up more often than not. If you had to pick between Tatum and Jalen Brown right now, who are you taking? Okay. I don't really understand. This This is just a hypothetical where you have to pick one or the other. Y- you have it's to like, pick. I would want but like that, And this is the point. This is what's so frustrating about the Celtics is we have both. It, teams would be, most teams would be envious of having both. If I had to pick one. But we are both. We are envious that you have both. Yeah, right? <laughs> well, just... you, okay, no, sorry. I meant like these aren't teams, hypothetical. Good franchises are would be envious. Obviously, oh, you guys wow. are. I mean, come on. Um, right, that's the end of the episode. Thanks for coming. <laughs> <laughs> okay, if I had to pick one, and, and the basis is like just who do I think will have the best career? Yeah, I guess so. The, so, the question you can answer the question in two ways. So, you can say we're starting a team from scratch. That's question number one. And the other is, Say you have the exact Celtics team you have right now. Who are you going forward with? So two part question there. This is it's a tough one. This is so hard because uh, we are a Jalen Brown household here. My girlfriend and I both cheer on Jalen very strong. Uh, we would cheer for him wherever he is. 
And whatever, when, whenever he runs for president, I'm sure we'll vote for him. <laughs> Though, honestly, I think presidency is below him and his capabilities. I think he could do a lot of other great things. Who knows? But I'm open to it. Sad, but true. Is that, yeah, he really is. I mean, but also he's so smart and he's so thoughtful. Anyway, he's also very good at basketball. But that is the order I put it in for me. I don't know how I could get rid of Tatum. I just think he is so skilled and... I would. I think I would have to still go with Tatum in part because I think when what we, what we saw with like the the Kevin Durant Warriors, you know, and we see this again, but it's like when you win in the finals, you need teamwork, you need all that stuff, you need shooting, but then you do need someone who can go one on one and and break down a defense on their own, sort of in isolation at the end of games. Like you need it. That's like one of the difference making uh, you know features to have as a basketball player, and I think he is that more so than Jalen. Um, and so for that reason, I think that that quality is in higher demand. And so I'd have to go with Tatum. But I want to be clear that I'm I'm angry that I had to answer this on any sort of public forum. <laughs> yeah. And it, um, it is so tough. All right. So Lucas both... likes Tatum more than yeah. Jalen. That's what I heard. <laughs> yeah. Right. I like Jalen. I like Tatum more than, than Jalen, but I love Jalen more than Tatum. <laughs> it, it, it is. It's really hard uh, because... Jalen seems to make the right plays more often to be more conscious of the unit and how the unit is working together and where he needs to be. And he also seems to do some of the little things a little bit more. But in the last play of the game, who do I want to be holding the ball at the top of the key? I don't have a lot of confidence in Jalen to do it. He can do it, but I don't have nearly as much confidence as with Tatum. You're like, if if he's on, then there's nothing they can do to stop him. Like kind of what you're referring to to KD. So I'm taking Tatum all the time, um, every day. He's 22. He gives me Michael Jordan vibes. I'm not even going to lie. Like when you watch him play, he creates memories. He's literally 22 years old. He has so much to to come in his career. And Jalen's only 24. But when I look at Jalen, I think of someone who can perform completely for the game. And he's really good for the team as a whole. But Tatum just... Again, he's he creates memories, right? Like he has those those shots that people remember when you in a, in fifty years when you go through the NBA greatest hall, like all time highlights, you're going to see a lot more of Jason Tatum than you will see of Jalen Brown. And I think he has the potential in the next four to six years to be a top five, top three type player. And I, I I'm not even joking. I think he has all time great potential. He just needs to make that next leap. And again, he's 22 years old and he's already a top 20 top 15 player in the league in my opinion from a skill set perspective so you you know it's a hot take when you're talking about how good jason tatum is and the celtics fan kind of raises their eyebrows like i don't know about that Jordan 20, he's 22 years old he's yeah, yeah. Okay, but like the question yeah. is, is who would you rather have tatum or jalen brown they're, they're like 13 months apart so like age to me in this situation is like i don't care about it. i'm not even looking at that i agree with you that tatum has more untapped potential than than Jalen Brown does. Although I think, you know, from an athletic standpoint, I think they're they're pretty even there. Tatum does not give me Michael Jordan vibes at all. Like, let me just make that incredibly clear. I think Tatum actually, if if he if you want to compare him to a former all-time great, he gives me Kobe Bryant vibes with the way that he plays. And I think he I think he's actually gone on record saying Kobe was like his idol and he tried to model his game after Kobe. And I see that, right? The fadeaway jumpers, the ISO ball that he seems to kind of like, things like that. The footwork. Right, the footwork. And and it, and it works. And right, and Kobe was an incredible player. 
However, the Kobe style of game, RIP, love Kobe, right? The Kobe style of game is not what the NBA is right now. And so I think that for that reason, there's a very good argument to possibly say you want Jalen Brown on top of the fact that I think Jalen Brown's a, a better defender. They're both good defenders, but I think Jalen Brown's one of the best defenders in the league. Mm-hmm. My, my only counter argument would be there's a lot of NBA players who are much less talented than Jalen that can fill a Jalen type role, you know, doing all the right things, playing in a team context. He's just elite at that. And he provides some of that superstardom around that type of game. Where with Jason Tatum, it's a lot more difficult to replicate that that flash and that I don't know if this is a real word, but unguardability that Jason mm-hmm. brings. And mm-hmm. he it would be it would be, I think, easier to build a team around the center of gravity of Jason Tatum, whereas Jalen Brown could just kind of fit on any team and contribute wherever you put him, if that makes sense. Yeah, I mean like a elite versatility is definitely like a skill set. You know, a superstar skill set. Honestly, not one that we talk about as much, but Certainly worthy of discussion. Yeah, Jalen is a better defender, I would say. But Tatum's still a very fine defender. Like it's yeah, it's and not, he is. No, he, he is. Tatum. No, it's not. It's not a knock. I mean, they're both great. They're both great athletes. I think that the skill of Tatum is just rare. And so, and I think that the yeah, the twenty-two and the twenty-four feels close. But that's that's like a lot of you know if if Tatum and Brown are where they're at. Because I look at NBA players at like 25. Like, what are they at at 25? I think that's like a pretty good indication of like where they're going and where their real ceiling is. That's three years from now for Tatum when we are going to probably see him as like a near finished NBA product. Whereas Jalen, I think, is a lot closer. And so even just for that reason, it feels it would feel wrong to give up on Tatum at this point. Just for the record, Tatum turns 23 in three days. So okay. he's got, he's so got two more like years. Two, we'll yeah, regroup, two we'll regroup in three days and see what's changed. <laughs> yeah, 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 and see where I'm at. <laughs> yeah, I think it's more, to me, age matters, yes, but to me, experience matters more. So Jalen Brown is one year in the NBA more experienced than Jason Tatum, right? I think maybe that's a fair way to look at it. Or not. I Sounds like you guys don't think I, so. I just still, I still <laughs> think age matters. I, only because like, it's just development. You know, uh, like when is your brain fully developed, right? Isn't it for especially, men like yeah. 27 or something? Especially, yeah, especially people, at that like, Women age. 25. So it's like... Wait, so I'm done developing in the brain? Yeah, no. Yeah, you're actually probably undeveloping at this point. It's uh, not that like 13 <laughs> <shit>. for Delco. <laughs> <laughs> so, so the man who compared uh, Jason Tatum to Michael Jordan, which made me... <laughs> lose my breath i lost my breath please can you please tell me what the vibes are that you're getting that are michael jordany from jason tatum and what age did your brain stop developing (laughs) Uh, it never will actually um i i see i just i feel it when i you know it's we call it the dick wiggle around here like when when the dick wiggles you you get those vibes and those are the vibes i get i definitely see the kobe bryant comparisons but there is something when, whether you're seeing him in person or on TV, Jason Tatum has games that, like, I just took your breath away. Like, his mm, play mm. takes your breath away. And it's, I think that's actually more rare to see. Like, you see it in players like LeBron James and you see it in all these greats. And I just keep going back. And I'm glad you made the point that even though it is maybe like 13 months difference between those players, if you guys remember where you were at 22 and then where you were at 24 or like the tail end, like, those are. Again, those are big gaps when you're that young. When you're when you're like 42 and 43, it's probably not that much different who you are physically and as a person. 
like mentally. Tom Brady grew a great deal in those yeah. years, oh, as yeah. we saw. Yeah, his dick's always wiggling. Like, that's he's always, true. He's always winning. Yeah, that's true. But with, I, I just think the Michael Jordan comparison for me is that I think he has the potential to be an all-time great. And I'm, special. I mean, yeah, he, yeah, yeah. he's got the it factor. Yeah, I, I get mean, the athleticism. I, I, the athleticism may be not there, but like. And maybe like maybe not physical characteristic wise, like with the with the pure pure athleticism from a, a jumping standpoint and all of that that Michael Jordan brought to the game, but I still think that yeah, from an all time perspective, he could he could be a top three player. I, I seriously do think that wow. he's got the organization behind him, he's got the support, he's got the skill set. Yeah, he's a got top he's got three plenty of time. Player that's not yeah. willing to go that far. Like I, no, I agree with the, the general sentiment, right? Like that Jalen Jason Tatum is more likely to bring you like these moments, right? These like special moments. But is is he gonna do it enough? Right? That's my question, and I think that's probably where Imagine being doubted right at twenty two. At twenty two with all, everything not he's doubted, done, being not doubted. doubted. Well, oh, there's doubt. There is full doubt. Like, I, I think at I, I'm doubting that he's going to be a top three all time great. Like I think, like let's let's put doubt in perspective here. <laughs> hmm, hmm, hmm. Okay, so you're saying that right now you would not take Kareem or Bill Russell <laughs> over. I mean, Tatum right now, maybe top three what, Celtic for like. Let's no, let's just put but that even that, right. even even Larry that though, Bird. doesn't that sound crazy? I mean, like, because. I, I, acting it, like, I'm like, we're acting like he's like at the end of his career. No, no, no. It's, it's just like, so who's a, who's an elite forward that just played for the Celtics? Okay, that retired, right? Paul Pierce. I, I genuinely think that... Truth. Yeah, the truth. I think that Tatum could be better than Pierce. I, I, think, yeah, that's, I, think, so. I think that's possible. I think that's the the most realistic possibility. Is he in- I think if he doesn't finish above Pierce, his career is a disappointment. Yeah, I mean, I, I get what you're saying. It, it's less than what we expect, but it would still probably be a very good career. I mean, he'd still be better than Antoine Walker, you know, like uh, just listen, this is all listen, in the Celtics. Watching, watching the Hornets for so long, you have a gift in what you have with Tatum. Do not set the bar low. Don't even set the bar around. Like Paul Pierce. Better than disgusting. Jordan. Better than I, Jordan. Better. Yeah, I need better. I need better than Jordan. Hold on to what you have for the dear of your life, because when you have it like Kemba and we lose it, it's never coming back. When you guys lose Brown and Tatum, so much, done. so much perspective here that we're talking about how we lost Kimba, and we we were recently just talking about how he's like the third or fourth best player on the Celtics, and they don't want him anymore. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he is like holding us back in some ways, only because he's underperforming what we need. It's only because he's underperforming our need, not because he's not great. Listen, I picked Tatum, right? You made me. You made me pick between my two beloveds and i did it and i, I don't i don't Tatum. feel bad for you lucas like let me make that very clear like i you guys have two of the best young talents in the league and you're you're playing the victim right now i'm like no not having it like i would love one of them love them you have Lamelo. <laughs> yeah that's true this is it's a rare feeling for us right now so we're, we're still How kinda, are you even we're coping still, we're still trying to figure that out i mean just you have this elite Playmaker, talk about like sort of controlled chaos and like unpredictability. It's very fun to watch him. It's it very fun. It is. It is. And we'll we'll talk about Lamelo a bunch, I'm sure, in upcoming episodes. And it's just like we've been holding back because Granny could easily just become what did Lamelo do this week podcast. Sure. Since we're all Hornets fans, so. I'm also scared of jinxing it. And uh, right now, I'm just like keeping my fingers crossed, as if like, please, please, God. Don't let him be Michael Carter Williams. 
<laughs> where he was rookie of the year and then falls off. <laughs> like, please let this be real. And Lucas, I'm not sure if you got a chance to listen to the the mock draft episodes, but I think I reverse jinxed it because I was not big on LaMelo pre-draft at wow. all, at all. Okay. And he is completely blown away my expectations um not from i think we all expected the passing right but yeah the way he's come into this league like ready to fit into a team ready to play team ball he has a really good attitude out there and he's a he's just a competitor so i've been really happy to see um what he's been able to bring yeah he he anticipates the game differently he anticipates on both ends differently i mean sometimes it means he like completely abandons a defensive assignment and you're like, what are you doing? But then some, but then it like steal the ball, and you're like, oh, all right, I guess you were doing great. I the only, I haven't watched a ton of him, but I did I did watch him and Bismack Biombo kind of yell at each other, or like Bismack yell at him the other day, and that made me laugh a lot. Biz, I love I love Biz, but he just doesn't really have a voice to tell anyone how to play basketball. <laughs> like my guess like, is Lamelo passed him a beautiful pass, and it bounced right off of his hands. That's that's my guess. <laughs> I was on business side on this. He went up to try to like block someone at the basket, and he happened to like foul him. And Lamelo just goes, "Put your hands straight up," you know, sort of like immediately after. And Bismarck was like, "I'm down here. I'm working. <laughs> Don't tell you're out there. You're not even around another player, little just, boy. Yeah, little boy, <laughs> get out of here. You're gonna tell me I should have gone straight up when this guy's trying to dunk on me? Okay." Uh, at, at, at the same time, though, Biz, love, I really do love Biz. I've loved him since we drafted him. It was a terrible pick, but I will always stand by it. But we talk about brains stop developing. I think Biz's hands stop developing at like six or seven. Because <laughs> he just can't do anything with the basketball unless it's to like actually put it in the basket. And even that, he's well below league average at. So what I'm hearing is that the Celtics should trade for Bismack Biombo. And that's going to solve our issues at the 4-5. You know, you, you joke, but if you could get him for, without having to give up any assets, you know, theoretically, he's a, he becomes a free agent and you get him on a vet minimum, he would be very helpful, especially when you're playing like the Sixers, right? Just to get some garbage minutes, biz, get five fouls, we don't care, slow and be down for a little bit while we rest. That's Yeah, that's maybe where he, he can... Get- uh... He can give you that that Raptors series that I think is the only reason why Bismack's still in the league, where he played like an all star for two games and then got paid twenty million dollars a year. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm you so happy. Biz, you guys can sure. win. <laughs> sure, I'm Michael sure. Jordan vibe. <laughs> He's got the potential. We're not ruling it out. I'm, top three, I'd say top three. I'm so ha- I'm so happy that this Celtics discussion landed on Bismack Biombo, as it always does. Yeah. Inevitable. Yeah, it's definitely funny that we're all of a sudden talking about Bismack Biombo after all the talk on the Celtics and their struggles. But hey, that's what happens. Let's uh, pick up the discussion in the Granny Quiz question of the week. We'll take a short ba- break and be back here in a minute. Granny, Granny, Granny. <laughs> Granny, 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 Granny. <laughs> Granny shot. All right, guys, let's talk about that Granny Quiz question of the week. Guys, I'll reread it here before I ask for your answers and then your general vibe. So the question was, of course, Celtics theme, which we just spent about an hour talking about. Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown averaging a combined 50 points per game this season. They're actually both right at 25 points per game are on pace to surpass what Celtics duo as the single season highest scoring duo in the post bird McHale era and a much simpler Less wordy way of asking that is who is the current highest scoring duo in the post Bird McHale era? 
This one seems a little too obvious to me. There's only been, what, one relevant Celtics group post-90s and before Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown and whatever they're doing, and that's that's the big three slash big four, right, with with KG, Paul Pierce, Ray Allen, and I guess Rondo kind of emerging is, is the big fourth there. So my guess is going to be Ray Allen and Paul Pierce. Okay. I won't tell you if it's right or not until I hear everyone else's answers. Don, what do you think? Yeah, it's um, same thing. Uh, it's, it depends if Ray Allen or Kevin Garnett scored more points. I can't remember. I think I'm going to go with Ray Allen Okay, and Paul Pierce. All right, Lucas, the true Boston fan. You got any disagreements? Okay. Yeah, I do. I think that I think that you're glossing over an incredible run that we had uh, in the early 2000s, and that was spearheaded by Paul Pierce and Antoine Walker. And those are going to be my guesses: Paul Pierce and Antoine Walker. That is correct. Paul Pierce and Antoine Walker. That was the reason why I asked the question. I thought everybody would get hung up on the big three and the big four yeah. there. But yeah. really, if you look at the stats there, most of them they pretty much all averaged about 18 points per game in their prime. They really spread the wealth out there. So, yeah. yeah, it was. Also, like Kevin Garnett never really averaged like on the Celtics. He was not. I knew he wasn't at like 25 a game. And I knew that Pierce wasn't like also at like 27 or whatever. But the only time that they were at that elite level was like the early 2000s for Pierce. And we shot a lot. I mean, Antoine Walker and Bob Pierce, they shot a lot. And we didn't have a ton of help. You know, God love Dana Barros. But we didn't have a lot of help. So that was my. Yeah. 2000, 2001, it was like 48.5 points per game between the two of them. Mm-hmm. I, whenever mm-hmm. I think of Antoine Walker, I think of uh, it was a closeout playoff game in uh, probably around 2000, 2001. I was like 12, right? And he just absolutely caught fire from three. And I, I can't remember who they were playing, but they ended up closing it out. It must have been game six or something and, and winning the series. But I still have like memories of him just catching absolute fire in that series. I, I wonder vibes. Jordan vibes. I, I wonder if you rewatch a game like that, if you'll get the same sense of catching fire from three. Now that it seems like everyone and their mother is averaging two, two and a half threes per game, you know, and that's just a part of the game now where back then a three was a much bigger deal. Yeah. I mean, if he hit four, we'd be like, wow. <laughs> <laughs> now Curry has four at halftime and no everyone's like, yeah, okay, not, that's fine. Yeah. That's what he does. Especially from like a big man too. Like Antoine Walker was, you know, like a big dude stretch four or five guy that now is yeah. like so commonplace. So it was, was a point like, forward. And he was shimmying before Steph too. And people don't talk about that. <laughs> that's the big story. Antoine Walker started the shimmy. Wow. He did. It was a huge shimmy. The, I hate the irony because the Warriors announcer was talking trash about Lamelo and you know copying the the mellow celebration when it sounds like their beloved Steph also stole his celebration. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's a, a, a easy revisionist history. Yeah, that three to the head. I heard that from that Warriors guy as well. All right, yeah. So Paul Pierce, Antoine Walker, two thousand, two thousand one. That's your answer, Lucas. Thanks for joining us today. It was a blast. You want to give the listeners here, uh, tell them where they can find you? Yeah. Well, first of all, thanks for having me on the show. This was so much fun. It's so great to not just talk to myself about how the Celtics are struggling um, or frantically texting my my fellow Celtics friends. Um, yeah. I think, you know, Twitter, Instagram, uh, handle Lucas M. O'Neill and uh, LucasO'Neill.com. If you want to sign up for my mailing list, I got some stuff coming out soon and uh, hopefully some live shows to resume uh, in a few months pending safety. But thanks again. This has been so fun. Thanks for having me on, guys.
Yeah, total blast, Don Delco. It's been fun as always. Lucas, thanks again. But uh, let's close it out. If you guys are listening for the first time, check out our Twitter at Granny NBA, Instagram at Granny Shot NBA. You can hit us up on email, grannyshotmba at gmail.com. Make sure to follow or subscribe wherever you're listening. Thanks again for listening, guys. Again, this is Granny Shot. <laughs>